believe you're the savior of our soul. We believe you are God and in control. Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Bram, a ministry of Worship Generation Church located in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. We believe in the power of the gospel. We believe you can transform every soul. We believe you're the Savior. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. Let the nations be glad, all his saints rejoice. And as we come to chapter 11 tonight, we get a new judge, uh, Jephthah, and we studied him in detail on Tuesday night. So I'll give you a little bit of background, but we really want to focus on a portion of the scripture that we're in on Tuesday night. But Jephthah was the son of a prostitute. His mom was a harlot, and that's difficult, but his dad was someone important. And his dad had quite a bit of wealth, and he had some brothers, and when they all sort of came of age... They said, hey, look, this is our inheritance. This isn't your inheritance. And they drove him out. They drove him out of the household, and they said, there's nothing here for you. So, like, here's the estate, and you don't get any of it because you have, your mom is not our mom. She's a prostitute, and there's nothing for you here. So they drove him out, and then it says that he gathered worthless men to himself, which isn't necessarily bad because one could say Jesus gathered worthless men to himself. And we're told that David gathered worthless men to himself. It's really what happens with worthless men, uh, who their leader is, as to what kind of men they truly become. With David, they became mighty men. With Jesus, they became the apostles. And, uh, but with some, worthless men become even more worthless. But in this case, Jephthah put together a pretty good military force. They became raiders, and they, they plundered various people and took things from them. But they're efficient at it. And of course, the people of God at that time, the Israelites, they were being oppressed by the Midianites and the Moabites from the other side of the Jordan River from the east, modern Jordan. So we don't know exactly who they were raiding, who they weren't raiding. It was just difficult times, like the Wild West. And they just did what people do in the Wild West. They they raided and they they did their things. So then the, the Moabites, they come into Israel and they say, hey, you know, They want to make war. And they said, you took what's ours, and you need to give it back. And so then these same men that expelled Jephthah from their house and from their region, they asked him to come back and say, hey, look, we want you to be a ruler over us. And if you defeat the the Midianite, the Moabites, and these people, we will um, make you our ruler. You'll be like our king or something. He's like, really? So they come together, and they, at this rock, and they make this deal and there, uh, before the Lord at Mizpah, and Jephthah, actually verse 11 says in chapter 11, that Jephthah spoke all his words before the Lord. So Jephthah made an agreement with these people, these Israelites, that he would lead them in battle against the Moabites, but he would be their ruler after that, and he made it official before the Lord. It's kind of like, hey, you do this, we'll do that. And he's like, well, you've already expelled me from the estate and the trust, so let's just drop a little contract here with the Lord so there's no misunderstanding when we have the victory. That's how we're going to do this. And they're like, yeah, sure, okay, we'll do that. So that's the beginning of our story that sets us up to what happens in our text tonight. Also noteworthy, though, since we won't read all the text, 
after we read our text tonight, the, the story goes on where he did fight against the Moabites and had a great victory, and he brought about deliverance for God's people. He did not live a long time. He only lived about six years after his military victory, but his life is significant in that it takes an entire chapter of the Bible, and it's here for us, and there's keen insight on it. So came his mom was a prostitute, and his half-brothers expelled him, but then they needed his help because sometimes you need a raider to get things done, and they brought him back. And he then brought a victory about, and then lived not that long afterwards. But in between that, we have this dialogue, this story that we're going to look at tonight, where he goes back and forth with Moabites, and he tries to reason with them before they go to war. So we don't actually read about his war and his battle. We're reading about sort of the negotiations to avoid war. You know, before World War II began for America, before we came into the war, we were negotiating with the Japanese government to avoid some disputes. And if you know very much about December 7th, 1941, that stuff, it, it just didn't, it didn't work out. Many times before two parties go to war, you try and resolve it. After war, you try and settle it, like, you know, the unresolved war in Korea, the 30th parallel of DMZ. The war was never done. It's still not done. That's why it's such a volatile place in the world. But you can try and avoid war. Even Jesus said, before you go to court, try and reconcile with your brother, lest the judge throw you in jail and you lose everything. So the general idea is like, if you can avoid a conflict and have resolution, do it. That's why you have arbitrators. You know, when you go to the courthouse there in Santa Ana, you see like, hey, you got this small claims thing, this thing. If you want to go for an arbitrator, an arbitration, you can do that. Usually it saves money. An arbitrator is usually a former judge. You bring your case. They bring their case. You're the homeowner, you're going against the HOA, and these two people come together, and an arbitrator rules, and you try and avoid war. You try and avoid going to court, because you go to court all the way, lawyers make a lot of money, you usually lose a lot of money. And then you just magnify that in the human experience, and you have wars. That's what happens. So in this context that we're going to read right now, they're trying to avoid... Jethro's trying to avoid war... But this war is unavoidable because some battles must be fought. That's why Paul said, I fought the good fight. Some things are worth fighting for and some battles you have to fight. And that's our, our lesson tonight. So we pick it up in verse 12 where he's now their leader and Jephthah sends messengers to the king of Ammon, of the Ammonites, the Moabites on the other side. And he says, what do you have against me that you have come to fight against me in my land. A very simple document. What do you have against me that you've come to fight against me in my land? And the king of the people of Ammon answered the message of Jephthah, because Israel took away my land, and when they came up out of Egypt from the Arnon as far as the Jabbok and to the Jordan, now therefore restore these lands peaceably. Hmm. That's a different perspective on history. Verse 14. So Jephthah again sent messengers to the king of the people of Ammon and said to him, Thus says Jephthah, Israel did not take away the land of Moab, nor of the land of Ammon. For when Israel came up from Egypt, they walked through the wilderness as far as the Red Sea and came to Kadesh. Then Israel sent messengers to the king of Edom, saying, Please let me pass through your land. But the king of Edom would not heed. And in like manner they sent to the king of Moab, but he would not consent. So Israel remained in Kadesh. 
Then they went along through the wilderness and bypassed the land of Edom and the land of Moab and came to the east side of the land of Moab and encamped on the other side of the Arnon, that's a river. But they did not enter the border of Moab, for the Arnon was the border of Moab. Then Israel sent messengers to Sihon, king of Amorites, king of Heshbon. And Israel said to him, please let us pass through your land into our place. But Sihon did not trust Israel to pass through his territory. So Sihon gathered all of his people together and camped in Jahaz and fought against Israel. And the Lord God of Israel delivered Sihon and all of his people into the hand of Israel, and they defeated them. Thus Israel gained possession of all the land of the Amorites who inhabited that country. They took possession of all the territory of the Amorites from the Arnon to Jabbok, from the wilderness to the Jordan. And now the Lord God of Israel has dispossessed the Amorites from before his people Israel. Should you then possess it? Will you not possess whatever Chamosh your God gives you to possess? So whatever the Lord our God takes possession of before us, we will possess. And now are you any better than Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab? Did he ever strive against Israel? Did he ever fight against them? While Israel dwelt in Heshbon and its villages, and Arar and its villages, and all the cities around the banks of the Arnon for 300 years, why did you not recover them within that time? Therefore, I've not sinned against you, but you've wronged me by fighting against me. May the Lord, the judge, render judgment this day between the children of Israel and the people of Ammon. However, the king of the people of Ammon did not heed the words which Dephna sent him. So these are these people on the east side of the Jordan River, where the two and a half tribes are, the Ammonites, the Moabites, they all blend together. The Midianites are all from people of the east, but here it's Ammon. And so this is very interesting. Historically, it's interesting, but in our current state of affairs on the planet Earth, in our own country, it is very interesting to me. If you just read this in your morning devotion and wrote stuff down in your journal, you might write things like, those who lie, those who bully, those who rewrite history, those who take, those who stand and fight against those who take, those might be things that jump out to you in this text. And there's nothing new under the sun. There's givers and takers. Givers give and keep on giving because they're always wanting to keep on forgiving. Takers take, it's never enough, even when they've taken almost all your stuff. Givers are content with the least and they give the most. Takers are discontent with the most and they'll take the least when that's to complete their most. In reading 2 Corinthians this morning, I was reminded how the Macedonian church gave out the abundance of their poverty to the people in Jerusalem, to the church in Jerusalem. That with great joy out of their poverty they gave. And I just reminded yet again that givers give and keep on giving, but takers, it's never enough. Chamosh is an interesting God. You know, when you study these Canaanite gods, they're, 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 all, they're all ideologies, Unbridled lust, power, wealth, war, blood. Chamash is just another one of those gods. When you study the ancient gods of that part of the world, they often merge, and different cultures that were close to each other gave different names to a similar ideology, different concept. Just like when you study Marxism, socialism, and communism, they're very similar ideologies. They're all devoid of God and accountability to God. And they all dumb down their societies and degenerate the idea of personal freedom 
and personal hard work and responsibility and benefit. But you can split hairs over those ideologies. That's how these gods were. Chemosh, of all gods, is the bully god. He bullies. He's a bully. He's a taker. In fact, his name can be translated destroyer, or are you ready for this one? Subduer. Subduer. We might as well just call him the god of mandates, the god of power and control and subjection. Bully god. Chamish is the bully god. Sure, we can get along. You just give me everything I want. You just give me everything you have. You give me everything God gave you, and you give it to me, and we can get along. I'm Chamish, the bully god, and I've come to take from you. Oh, I've been the CCP, the Communist Chinese Communist Party. I've been the Soviet Union. I was with Karl Marx. I was with Charles Darwin. I'm the bully god. I take whatever I want from whoever I want, however I want, so long as I can. And I will try and bully you and counsel you and threaten you and intimidate you to play my game on my rules. I'm Chamosh, the bully god, the god of man-based mandates that oppose personal freedoms that God ordains. That's me, Chamosh the bully god of the Moabites. So don't think the book of Judges is inapplicable to the body of Christ in 2021. It most certainly is. There are people of faith under a covenant. Now, their covenant's very different than ours. They fought spiritual battles. It's a spiritual battle. We'll get to that. But there, it's a physical thing, too. And the church never has the same physical thing. So it's always kind of different. Not kind of. It's absolutely different with the church. We always fight our battles with spiritual weapons, with prayer and the word of God. We're, we're called to love our enemies. We're called to stand and we're called to resist evil. And in each generation and the various circumstances we face and in each culture and each language, that might look like different things. I don't know what it's like to stand for Jesus in North Korea against Chamosh and the North Korean government and what they do to Christians nor the Hong Vietnamese people and what the Vietnamese government does against Christians of a poorer class in modern Vietnam. I do know what it's like to be a Christian in Russia in the former Soviet Union and have FESBA show up at your pastor's conference and monitor what you're doing, FESBA being FSB, that's the KGB, FESBA. And I know what it's like for Christians in Russia when they are always afraid to say anything or do anything or post anything or share photos and tell me I can't. Thus, you've never seen one photo ever from my trip to Russia other than the videos I showed right up when we came back, but nothing on social media ever. Because I always presume I'd go back and I don't want to create trouble with FESBA when I apply for my visa and when I come through immigration and customs. But I'm in touch with the church in Russia all the time and we support them all the time. And I know what that's like for them. Chemosh, the bully god, is the remnant of the Soviet Union. So when you used to work for the KGB and then you become a pastor, they bully you and they come after you and they try and cancel you. I spent three hours in the car with a pastor two years ago in Russia, driving from Moscow to Vladimir, hearing his story of formerly being with the KGB 
and walking away from that to serve the Lord in ministry and be a Calvary Chapel pastor. And all the bullying that Chamosh, the bully god of Russia, brought upon him from his former government co-workers and what they did to him. So the ideology of Chamosh, the Ammonite god, prevails across planet Earth right now, all over the planet, with governments that oppress the church, with governments that oppress the freedoms that God gives humanity, with dumbed-down lower levels of Chamosh and little people who are little psychopaths, sociopaths, and narcissistic people who just do what Stalin does on a higher level, on a lower level. See, that's how it works. Stalin doesn't kill 80 million innocent people in his reign of terror with the Soviet Union by himself. He replicates himself in people who have the same ideologies. It's what Hitler did. It's what Mao Zedong did when he killed millions of his own Chinese people in China. There's nothing new under the sun. Chamosh is the bully god. He intimidates, he threatens, and he promises peace so long as you abide by his rules or mandates. Bully god. Subduer and destroyer. Because when you submit to Chamosh, he will destroy you. That's why they had to fight against him no matter what. This is the fight, the good fight. And in preparing for this study, I meditated upon how this would apply to us personally, how it might apply to your family in our life experience, because people get bullied not because they're Christians, they get bullied because they get bullied by people. Populations get bullied by government not because they're Christians, but because their government wants to oppress them and destroy them and take from them. But yet, in church history for 2,000 years, Chamosh the bully god has definitely bullied the church from start to finish. Caesar is Chamosh. Just bow the knee to Caesar. Renounce what God's given to you, your faith in Jesus, your victory over sin, your victory over the devil, and the authority given to you to preach the gospel. Just renounce all that and hail Caesar, and you're fine. We won't burn you at the stake in the Colosseum and feed you to the lions. You can have peace with Caesar. Just put him before Christ and your conscience. What do you think Luther was standing up to in the 1500s when he put the 95 Thesis on the church door in Wittenberg? He was standing up to Chamosh, the bully guy. Just play the Catholic church game in the medieval time. Just play this religious game we play. Do the indulgence, do the stuff for the saints, plunder the people, fleece the flock, just play this game. And he said, no, sola scripture, only scripture, only faith, and only praise. The three things that he was willing to die for when he put that thesis on the door of his church in Wittenberg. And he fled for his life. But there's a good fight. Corey Tim Boom and her family in the Netherlands, when the Nazis came in and started grabbing all the Jews and shipping away in trains to, to kill them in death camps, six million of them. Those people like Hoi Tim Boom risked their life and stood up to Chamosh, the bully god, the destroyer of everything good. Chamosh is not only the bully god, he's the one that commits crimes against humanity because he oppresses humanity and the rights that God gives humanity, self-determination. So here we are in November 2021, the Church of Jesus Christ on planet Earth, going from strange to stranger and weird to weirder, 
Or people who say, believe, trust the science, are the same people who say that men get pregnant. That's what you get when Chemosh is your God. You become delusional. And we want to get along with people. It says in Romans, as much as up to you, the peace be with all men. I want to get along with my neighbor, and so do you. I want to get along with Caesar, and so do you. I want to pray for Caesar. I want to have dinner with Caesar and not have him try and burn me at the stake. But Paul said at the end of his life, I fought the good fight. And a lot of people are having to pick right now on planet Earth what they're willing to fight for and what they're willing to stand for. And it's an excruciating and difficult time for all of humanity as evil men are empowered under difficult circumstances to oppress and subjugate people, to take advantage of them. And in the midst of this, here's the church in 2021 on planet Earth, trying to be faithful to the Great Commission, trying to be faithful to the Word of God. We're like Israel needing the help of Jephthah, protection from the bully God. We're like Israel needing people who will stand in the gap and stand up for truth and stand up for what's right and be willing to risk their name, their livelihood, and their possessions for what's right, true, just, noble, and holy. Chemosh is never satisfied, nor the people who serve him. The destroyer and the bully God wants everything. Everything by his terms and his rule. Because Chemosh is Satan. Because we're told in the New Testament that whatever's behind an idol is a demonic entity. And Satan is the destroyer. That's his name. Satan is the accuser of the brethren. That's his business. And Satan is a liar. And he's the father of lies. And he's always come against the church. And how he has come against the church the last two years in our new world order is somewhat just mind-bending. For as delusional as people are on a mass scale on this planet right now, Satan is actually setting up for a greater evil. And we know that. And the church that goes through the narrow gate and walks according to the truth and follows the King of kings and the Lord of lords, Jesus Christ. We are citizens of heaven. We are ambassadors of Christ. And we are stewards of the mysteries of God, the kingdom, the word. We are the ground and pillar of truth and Christ is the one who walks in our midst. So in the midst of a world being bullied by the bully God, Chamus, we are here tonight to worship and praise Jesus, to give him thanks and to aspire to live a quiet, peaceful life and honorably serve the Lord and pray for those above us and pay our taxes on time and do what's just, true, and honorable and praiseworthy. That is what we aspire to do. And yet Chemosh comes to destroy and to bully, particularly, and yes, especially, the church. Now, in verse 12, Jephthah said, he tried to reason with these people. Maybe you've tried to reason with the people you work for and employ you. Maybe you tried to reason with your relatives last few days at family gatherings. Just remember, heaven is a narrow gate and few enter thereby. Just remember that wide and broad is a path that leads to destruction and many go thereby. And just remember the wide path destruction, wide path of destruction 
lies under the sway of the wicked one. Just remember that until we come to Christ, we're taken captive by the devil to do his will. So what I'm having to understand at 60 is I shouldn't expect people who are demonically deceived and delusional to be understanding of spiritual things, even when it applies to common sense. Because the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. And you think, why, why, how can people actually think these things that they think? And you can't reason with them. And you have to remember, it's a wide path that leads to destruction, and many go thereby. So what we really need to be amazed by, not that people are deceived and led astray by faulty science and the, the God chameth and those who serve him, but what really we should be amazed by is that we're saved and we have discernment. We should be thankful and grateful to the Lord that he's revealed himself to us. That we're not limited to the natural man and the natural mind or the carnal mind, but he's actually given us a spiritual mind. That we've passed from death to life when we've given our life to Christ. That we're a new creation and we can discern our right hand from our left hand. Because what did God say to Jonah? Should I not have pity on a city where people can't discern their right hand from their left hand? That's the people under judgment. And that's the world around us. But when we come to Christ, he has given us the mind of Christ. And he has made all things known to us. You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Brandt. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com, where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. And also follow Pastor Joey on Instagram under the tag name at Joey Brand. Thanks for listening and God bless. Not ashamed of the gospel. Not ashamed, not ashamed of the one I love. Not ashamed, not ashamed.